coming up on Airline Voice Radio. Managing the crisis potentially has helped us you know, get to decision faster, prioritize better, and really focus. The project drove us and gave us the energy because it was like a big emotive that got everybody the right kick. From Excelia, this is the Airline Voice Radio Podcast, where we talk about the future of airline commerce. Here are your hosts, Jim Davidson and Amanda Campbell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Airline Voice Radio Podcast. I'm Jim Davidson, Chief Product Officer here at Excelia. And many of you remember me as the CEO of Fairlogix, which was acquired by Excelia about four months ago. And I'm Amanda Campbell. Together with Jim and our team here, we've put together a short series of interviews with airline titans of transformation and outspoken thought leaders in airline commerce. Our first interview is with Xavier Lagardère. Xavier heads up distribution at the Lufthansa Group of Airlines. Jim, can you set a bit of context for us here? Sure, Amanda. I should start by saying that Xavier has been a longtime customer of Fairlogix and frankly, a longtime friend of Jim Davidson. We've had a relationship that's gone on for quite a long time, and we've actually done a number of projects together over the years. And the most recently, and probably one of the most exciting ones has been the continuous pricing. Now we're here live, and we're going to spend a few moments reflecting on that project, but also some other uh, aspects, personal and professional, from what's happening in this challenging year. Okay, sounds great. Um, so let's get started. This is an interview that was recorded in October 2020. Uh, so I thought I'd start out with um, now we're six plus months into this and and trying to work from home and uh, trying to do Zoom and and uh, and Teams. Just if you don't mind, it, I think people are very interested because we're all kind of living through this. It'd be great to just talk a little bit about that. Right. Sure. Well, like you say, Jim, in, in a way, the blending of roles is not new, right? I mean, uh, like yourself, I've been a, a dad, a husband, a, a, an executive. And, and mixing the, the, the different aspects of this into, into a day-to-day life for, for many years now. It, it really, in terms of what the, what the pandemic changed, it's actually that, that my family gets to see much more of me, which I, you know, I hope they see as, as a positive thing. Right. And that, that, to a certain extent, is, is um, I mean, it's for me definitely a good thing because I, I'm, I can have many moments in the day. You know, I've, I've, I think one change is that the day is not as um, linear as it used to be. Um, there is a mix of, of blocks, you know, one block can be work and then a bit of, of person time and they work again. Um, and I, I mean, some people might be worried that this is sort of an invasion of their, of their privacy with work right. items. I personally like it. I, I like it more like this. You can, you can, you know, time your, your, your work, your professional contribution, but also be more available if you need to for, uh, for interruptions, for, for things that uh, requires your, 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 your time during the day. You know, you don't have to, to rush and do anything uh, in the last hour when, when shops are still open after working if you need to. So, um, frankly speaking, I think some of the features of, of this life, um, our employees, ourselves, will, will uh, seek to somehow preserve. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I like to travel. I even like to travel for business. I, I'm certainly not at my, let's say, ideal ratio of of, of traveling, because it's it's energizing and it's uh, in certain aspects of the business you 
you need to travel to get things done, right? You cannot just uh, right. do everything over right. Zoom and uh, business development, uh, things that need more creativity, collective exchanges. I felt that's harder to carry in a in a remote setup. So what I'm trying to say is, I'm, I'm looking forward to being back to you know to being back to jumping on planes, to being back to to having those two three days of of uh, power meetings, creative idea generating with partners with my teams. Uh, but at the same time, um, the, the, the blend of of, of uh, the more quality day to day lives, uh, I, I, I'm going to look forward to to preserving some of this. I think your point about energizing uh, when you're with somebody, and I'm sensing a little bit of that fatigue that sets in when you can't get that energy from other people. And I think that's one of the things that that the longer this pandemic goes and prevents us from getting together, we're going to have to find a way to reignite that energy. Um, I, you know, I miss the, the sitting around our tables and the energy that comes out of that is great. And I'm sensing that within um, our own teams. And I'm wondering if you've, you've got any insight or, or, or seeing that as well, because you've also got staggered shifts. And how do you get that continuity going? You know, I think we guys as corporate executives, somehow I feel it's our duty to put more energy in than we suck right. energy out, right? So yep. that's yes. why we have to be there for our teams to, you know, to motivate them and make sure that, you know, if they have a down moment, well, maybe respect that, listen to this, but at the same time, you know, refill it and maybe find the energy sources somewhere else and, and put that into the, the business. But um, I feel where it becomes quite critical is that it actually doesn't affect um, us, it affects everybody, right? And, and so... The, the day-to-day interactions between colleagues, just elbow to elbow, looking at the same problem, that's missing. And um, honestly, that's a concern. That's something that I'm watching in my teams. We take um, post checks from the teams to make sure, you know, to, well, to collect feedback, to make sure most of the, as much as we can that we address um, very practical, mundane problems of how they connect to work, how they uh, connect to their colleagues. The honest answer is you see. Um, probably the collective energy sort of decreasing and needed to have a bit of a push from time to time, which is not that easy to, uh, to give. It's not that easy to do that electrifying moment over laptop. So uh, so I guess I'm old enough to know when the first phase of teleconferencing came in and everybody was concerned that it was going to be the end of the airline industry. And uh, um, it's obviously never happened. And I'm quite confident it's not going to happen, happen this time from uh, demand for travel. So and maybe that's a good segue into looking at how the demand for travel, how you're seeing it. There's a lot of talk that the leisure is starting to come back, um, which we're seeing as well. But I'd like to get your views on how you see the progression of the resurgence of travel. In terms of what we're seeing right now as we speak in, in um, you know, Q4 2020 is, is, of course, weak, a weak demand. Right? So we have a bit of concentrated uh, surges around Christmas, like we had um, over, over the summer, predominantly for continental travel, as far as we're concerned in, in Europe, not a lot of uh, intercontinental traffic, to say the least. So we're prepared for a cold winter um, from many segments. Uh, what gives a ray of hope is that indeed over the summer, leisure was here and you could feel uh, people wanting to travel. Uh, we also know that in um, Certain um, travel categories like domestic, like lodging, you see now statistically relevant uh, points showing there's demand recovery. You know, if you look at domestic China, even domestic US, 
to certain extents, people do move to the extent they are allowed to or can. So to that extent, um, I mean, the vaccine, of course, will be a decisive factor. But even before that, our ability to, um, you know, to restore confidence and trust in the in the fact of traveling to also smoothen the the cross border uh, 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 changes that are like in an economy like Europe that's inevitable. You know, you you move from from the UK to Belgium to Germany to to Italy to to Switzerland. So that that's the day to day of of businesses and and families. Uh, so I think for for us critical is the um, ability to to roll out massive testing. Uh, so that's that's the primary thing that actually we are advocating for as fast as possible rollout of uh, fast testing, even self-testing might come, which is really hopeful. So, you know, before we get to the state that um, that disease can be uh, prevented, I'm also personally convinced by my own experience of, of sometimes going to uh, Germany from Switzerland or to uh, 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 my home country, France, that it is possible to make um, exchanges much smoother than what we have today through testing, essentially. The other core thing which we're doing is informing people, making sure that people understand what are the steps they will go through on, on the ground, on board, uh, what does it mean to, to be on a plane, what's the contagion risk on, the, on board, which is you know very, um, very, 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 very low. Staying as up-to-date as we can with any uh, new rule or new regulation that comes up, making sure that we have the right information on our websites or our apps. And really, the goal would be that these measures get gradually lifted in favor of uh, more active measures around testing, basically. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shift this, but I think that was important. I, and I talk to airline customers and prospects still every day. I, that's that's what energizes me. And and I'm sensing a little shift. And I'd like to get your opinion on this. You know, I think for the last four or five months, it's been heads down on the spreadsheets. You know, what are we going to do? Where are we going to fly? But now I'm sensing a little bit of a shift. I do see some uh, people poking their heads up now and starting to look about what happens when we come out of this. And there seems to be much more uh, intensity around that, taking advantage of what the world will look like. What's happening in the group from your perspective? Well, I think on that aspect, actually, we've, we've been, um, my point of view, we've been blending the two sides quite well from the get-go. So I wouldn't say that we went into a complete hibernation and only focused on, on crisis management. It's actually that managing the crisis potentially has helped us you know, get to decision faster, prioritize better, and really focus. So we've kept on pushing on the strategic initiatives that were strategic um, before the crisis and have become even more throughout, like the transformation of our value chain towards even more digital channels over the summer where, where we had Mostly uh, online and leisure demands, we've seen surges in our in our direct share distribution of, of close to 90% with corporate travelers even, even coming to direct channels. So those things have prompted us to continue acting. I, I would dare to say that we've you know, kept enough uh, mental capacity to, to anticipate or, or, or go along with those changes and, and, uh, and continue to transform ourselves and our partner landscapes. Too. Uh, you know, it, it's forced us to to really have a mentality of adaptation and and i think we lose that when when things are going well um and that's really what i'm hoping we can hang on to because i i do think it's going to force us to provide more rapidly to how we engage in the digital transformation how we engage in customer engagement 
we've learned a lot about how we're engaging from a safety and security point of view. So I think your point about how we engage with uh, leisure is going to actually start to frame up a new pathway to how we engage with corporates. And I actually think NDC is going to be a real uh, value in that aspect. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I also don't want to expand the point too much uh, now, but I would just like to stress together with you guys and Concur and Charles Fusion, we've uh, managed to bring Siemens to life. They are TMC, BCD, we're vocal about that. So it's a very great showcase of, you know, really a tier one global company able to run their end-to-end managed travel stack on a full NDC platform without a GDS in the middle, basically. Uh, which speaks, you know, for the progress uh, accomplished in terms of uh, functional maturity of the stack and also vol- volume that it can it can support and, and, and processes around. So I, I do fully agree with you. And in between, you know, you have the vast amount of corporate travel that's actually slightly uh, moving towards um, less maybe managed services. You know, as as um, corporations become a lot more conscious of their expense of the type of, of services they need and don't need. They also make a conscious choice of okay, uh, who am I going to work with? What's what's the so what I'm trying to say is you 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 start to see companies of of a rather large size going to a setup that you would have thought is more the setup for SME business and and so that actually also reinforces the trend of travel uh, or bookings going over digital channels as opposed to traditional service uh, channels. We could go on for hours talking about this, but there's a couple of topics I want to kind of finish up with. One is we talk about some of the things and how we're engaging and, and Lufthansa Group has been one of the early adopters of continuous pricing. So just talk a little bit about what that means for an airline. Not, not, no, no trade secrets from, from Lufthansa, but overall an airline, because we're hearing this concept more and more um, uh, from airlines wanting to take more control of their pricing and then next thing that comes out of their mouth is we want to get uh, a continuous pricing program going. Well, so. As you know, it's it's pretty fundamental and um, it has to do with airlines wanting to um, get offer control and be able to really master uh, what's released to the end customer. Uh, make sure that uh, whenever a customer reaches out for uh, travel inspiration or a precise quote on a given uh, travel date, they, uh, they, they get an offer that's the one that's been computed by the, uh, by the airline. There's value for everyone in the equation, um, value definitely for the customer who really gets the type of targeted offers that, uh, that the airline, that the supplier means for that use case. Uh, of course, there's value to the supplier because, you know, being able to really craft something dedicated and tailored for that um, segment means that you will achieve an optimal uh, commercial performance on your offer. And then there's value for uh, anybody who can, who can uh, help service or power the transaction in the value chain. So f- for us, continuous pricing is, is really the first fundamental cornerstone of, of this new offering. It's been very long to, to come about, uh, not only in the, in the recent project that, that we run in, in part with you guys to, to perform the technical realization of it. Actually, it's been very long in, in the inception phase. If you look at um, revenue management books for, I think even from the 80s, you will find Things like continuous pricing, that's that's well-defined, that's known. So you know that we'll, you'll achieve a better offer for the customer and let's call it by its name, a better margin for the, for the supplier. And you know that you have to hit this sweet spot. So it's, it's actually almost bizarre that it hasn't you know, come to life earlier. And, and the, the real, I mean, the fundamental reason why not is that the distribution flows 
we're just not capable of delivering that type of offer. And, you know, our, our industry had achieved a lot of things in terms of interconnectivity, in terms of being able to publish fairs and making travel agents around the globe able to connect to suppliers and book whatever tickets on whatever airline. So that's, you know, the, all these all these things that our industry had achieved even in pre-internet times were great for what they did at the time. Nowadays, they were just standing in the way of, uh, of offer innovation. And it's only when we could do away with some of the heavy piping that was powering our channels or distribution that we could finally say, okay, well, it's as simple as, as plugging you guys um, at Fairlogix Axelia who power our API that we offer to travel agencies with our offer engine, with our, with our basically our 4RM system. So fundamentally, there's, there's almost no magic. I, I, I almost see it as a simplification of what we had before compared to a complexification. Yeah, look, I think you made it simple when you said continuous pricing equals value for everyone. Um, we haven't heard that statement in the airline industry for a long time. Uh, one side or the other had to had to give up something, and I think this is really exciting of, uh, of that. Let's kind of bring it home. What's next? What's on the horizon? What are we? If we're going to talk in uh, a month and a half from now, what do, what are you guys seeing, and, and what are you working on? Two things. First of all, we, we we if we're talking a month and a half from now, I'm sure there'll be much more news on uh, further adopting our our NDC stack. You know, we are actively talking to many many players, um, be it in the corporate space, be it even online players in in geographies where we're we're less present. So you know, we keep rolling this out at super high speed. The other thing is on the back of uh, continuous pricing or con- using continuous pricing as a baseline is really continue to enhance our, our offering. So, you know, we'll start with simple things, maybe rolling out dynamic seats, you know, dynamic seat pricing into our agency channels through NDC. We have it on our website, it's not yet for agencies, so we'll roll that out. Um, things, things of sorts, uh, which will gradually continue uh, enhancing what, 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 whatever we put on the shelves. So I just want to just hop back to, to continuous pricing because it was a, a, a long project. You said it, you know, it's been written about for years and, and there were some, there were some limitations on, on some of the existing capabilities, but I mean, it was a, it was a project that, that, that anybody could have given up on. They could have said, you know what, it's just, it's just not going to be there, but you didn't. And uh, I, I wonder what's that, what that was like during that, uh, that, that kind of lift. There's a story of resilience, you're right. But uh, as you know us, we are uh, pretty set when it comes to following a, a vision and you know, knowing that there's uh, value out of it at the end of the tunnel. So that, that's that's something that you know you can always count on us as a company, as, as a company culture, to be persistent about. Uh, besides, the project actually came to life in COVID times. And that last mile was very special because you know usually when you go live with a project, you have the war rooms, everybody's uh, going into the same place, maybe working in shifts. We had none of this, at least physically. But still, we had the excitement coming up. Uh, you know, we had team threads, um, WhatsApp all day. You know, it was like a Hitchcock movie at the end, you know. It, so that system is going like, okay, we have to patch here. We have. So what I'm trying to describe is, and made it even more special, is this go live in a full virtual uh, work environment. That was... Uh, Extremely rewarding, and we were at the very beginning of our conversation, Jim. We were talking about the energy that's that's lacking when we're not physically together. And what we've experienced with this project is actually the, the project drove us and gave us the energy because it was like a bigger motive that got everybody the right kick to feel again that we were part of something. And and you know, 
there's probably been more congrats emails than usual even, probably because of this, right? Because it was also one of its kind in the current times. Yep. The project was the energy. I love that. I love that. That's a real takeaway. I always love talking with you, Xavier. It's, uh, it's great. I wish you uh, all the best and we'll, we'll talk Much again Jim. soon. Cheers. You know, the thing that really stood out for me, Jim, was Xavier's dedication to the project. I mean, he called it his Hitchcock moment there, rolling out such a milestone project in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, that's huge, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, Amanda. And look, I, I see this every day. Um, Lufthansa Group, um, they're not the only airline that has their eye firmly on the future and they're taking advantage of this time. Um, some people would say, let's just uh, hunker down and wait it out. Uh, certainly not Lufthansa Group and certainly not Xavier and his team. Okay, time to wrap up. This is episode one of Airline Voice Radio, produced by myself, Amanda Campbell, Kevin O'Shaughnessy, and the team here at Excelia, featuring an edited interview with Xavier Lagardere, recorded in October 2020. To learn more about what we do here at Excelia, check out the show notes or head over to Excelia.com. If you like what you heard today, share it with a friend and send us your feedback to podcast at Excelia.com. Airline Voice Radio is available wherever you get your podcasts. Be safe, be smart, run hard. Run hard.